Video games are consistently taking up a larger and larger chunk of media consumption every decade, with Grand Theft Auto V recently becoming the highest selling entertainment product of all time. Video games have become an industry that is near untouchable in its profit and influence. Popular titles made by large, wealthy companies are pulling larger and larger audiences every year. But as games have begun to reach a more widespread audience, the accessibility of making video games has allowed individuals to create their own projects. Small, independent teams are able to make visually astounding projects, with mechanics and sound production that calls for as much attention and respect as more widely appreciated art forms. I'm Ross. And I'm Carlos, and this is Medium Roast, a podcast about unconventional art mediums and what makes these less recognized forms of expression unique. You want to talk about video games, Ross? I'm all in. Let's go. So, we're both kind of nerdy white dudes who grew up playing video games. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I think we both very much fit a stereotype. What is that stereotype? Nerdy white guy who cool. plays video yeah. games. Go on. And uh, was there like an experience that made, sat you down and was like, this medium is more than Call of Duty, is more than shooting things? Um, there's Mario on the Nintendo 64. That's the, that's the game that made you go, this is art? Yeah, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain? It was a, like a big childhood game for me. That was the first thing I ever remembered playing. And I came back to it like a long time later because it, it was remade. And it was such good nostalgia, but also I re just really appreciate it. The art style and everything is uh, just so classic. There's a part of your brain that just kind of forgets how imaginative a lot of those worlds are, mm -hmm. and how like the idea of Mario or Kirby being a little pink ball that eats things and becomes it is such a like crazy idea for somebody to sit down and make a franchise off of. Yeah. But I meant more along the lines of games that you stepped away from and were still thinking about. Is it Mario again? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I remember playing Spec Ops The Line, which was a game that was advertised very much like a Call of Duty, like a shoot people in the Middle East simulator. Sure. You know, just like that whole era where it's like, I want every game to feel like the Iraq War. Yeah. But it was a game that started off very much like that. Then they added lasers to all of those games. <laughs> oh, see, no, no. They're... Oh, I guess they did, yeah. <laughs> yeah they or did. they went back to World War II. Yeah, either or. Well, basically, with Spec Ops The Line, it was a game that felt like a Call of Duty that made you feel bad for everything you do in a Call of Duty. Okay. Every action hero segment was followed by the consequences of that cool set piece you just blew up. So it was like commentary on war? It was commentary on the video gamification of war and wow. how it kind of turns you off to the typical things you're doing in a Call of Duty or in a battlefield where you're running around killing people and it's like a fun thing and it's like I'm going to make headshot compilations. Yeah. <laughs> you get to see... 360 no scope. 360, yeah. You know, it, it's, you forget that that's based on a real war that yeah, happened. Yeah. yeah, these are conflicts where... Thousands of people die. Yeah, and it's like it, and it turns into fun games. Sixteen-year-olds play. Yeah. And Spec Ops: The Line took that and like 
here's a cool set piece where you blow up a building and now you see the, the town that does not have water anymore because you blew up their water supply. Wow. Every moment you have with it that's like traditionally fun is followed by, well, look, look what your fun did. Okay. And like, I think a very classic example of like this kind of story through mechanics that Spec Ops did was a game from the 1970s called Missile Command. Uh, it's like, looks like Pac-Man, essentially. It's that kind of era of game where you're getting specs across. You're not really getting any detail. And you play as three, ba like, missile bases with, uh, three towns in between the, th uh, um, and, no, six towns. And basically you are being attacked with nukes. And you have to shoot down the nukes from the bases. And... The game sort of creates a story through the mechanics of how you play because now it's asking you which of these towns are you going to protect? Are you going to spare five of the towns to make sure your gunships are safe? Are you going to let one get hit and <laughs> try to defend the other five? What's going to be the best move for you? And what's so funny? <laughs> that was a complicated description of missile command. Was you, it? You're just clicking on the screen and like shooting up missiles to hit other missiles and make sure that the towns are safe. Okay, yeah, I guess I explained it a little too deeply. Yeah, and you can decide whether or not you want to <laughs> save everybody or focus on one. Like, I get it. No, absolutely. Drop my phone. That's just but, okay, yeah, you understand. But, like, I think that game was really profound, especially when with its contemporaries in the era, era being, like, Donkey Kong and Pac-Man. Sure. Where it was dealing with an issue that was really real at the time, because it came out in 1980, of nuclear war. Yeah. And the game, you couldn't win it. You could only, like, fend off eventually until you, you lost. Eventually, eventually you're going to blow up. Nuclear nonproliferation. Yeah. And whatever that means. <laughs> and at some point, you're going to lose. And then the screen turns into a big mushroom cloud with the words game over across it. Wow. And, like... There's no words really to read. There's no plot description before it. Everything you learn just by putting some quarters in and playing. And it really puts you into a position. Like, it puts you into a position. It's, it's not a power fantasy. You are at odds. You are the weaker party sure. in the game. And you are just doing your best to give these towns a little bit more life. Missile Command is so frustrating. Oh, no. It's very frustrating. <laughs> and, like... I think especially... And that's nuclear war. <laughs> wow. Hit the nail on the head with that one. So I think that's like a really good example of like what video games can do that other mediums can't do in the way that you got a whole story from just interacting with it and you are immediately put into the shoes of that situation. So where games where the developers have a really big budget... Uh, focus on entertainment like Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto. Like, there's smaller developers that are making independent games where there's no big publisher giving you a lot of money that are really making more artistic or like visual experiences. No, yeah, and I, I think that's of the nature of how the uh, medium evolved in the way that like video games are really expensive hard things to make that require big teams yeah. like and like it's really easy to advertise these games when it's 
hey, check out these slick graphics. Check out these like really cool shots of like you sliding down a building that's exploding. Sure. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's a very easy medium to sell in the way that you can make really cool looking videos with them. Like you watch a Grand Theft Auto ad, tell me you don't immediately want to buy it and play yeah, it. Sure. And I think that push to make the most engaging visual experience that developers of that caliber do, mm -hmm. the independent game has really filled the gap of what games can do thematically, creating like almost meditative experience. Yeah, it's more conceptual design in a lot of ways. I think a good example of one, and we, me and Ross just played through this together, is Papers, Please by Lucas Pope. Do you want to explain it, Ross? Sure. Um, so in Papers, Please, you play as a border control employee, and you are tasked with, ex like, accepting or denying people that are coming up to the border and attempting to get into the country. And as the game goes on, it gets harder and harder. Uh, more documents are required for foreigners, or there's just more rules to follow. Your family also plays a point in that you have to make enough money to support your small family. It's all kind of delivered through these menus, but the, the message is clear in terms of its setting is kind of like a fictional 1980s like, uh, like, like Soviet Union kind of type country. Yeah, it's a fictional town called Arstotska. Yeah. And essentially, the game does a really cool thing in the way that you are given a set of rules people entering the country must follow to gain entry. And you just have to match your rules to their paperwork. And if they have everything, you accept them in. And if they don't, you deny them. But and it gets complicated because of, uh, like, people will say they really want to get in because their family lives there. Or, uh, like, they've been trying to immigrate into the country forever, but there's something wrong on their passport and you have to deny them and you kind of have to make that decision. What, what were some, like, really engaging moments in the game for you? Uh, there's this dude, Georgie. Ah, that, Georgie! <laughs> that comes up and he's got fake documents every time. And the first time he comes up and he wants to get into the country and he's super excited to join, but he doesn't have anything. Like, he doesn't have a passport. And you explain it to him and he, like, comes back a couple days later and he's got something else, but it's completely fake and you have to reject him again. Eventually he comes in and he's got everything right, but he, uh, like, you don't trust him really. And I just, it's the, it's the one character in the game that you kind of develop a relationship with. Yeah, and... It's weird because I think you do develop... I don't think it's true that he's the only character you develop a relationship with. He's the only recurring character. Sure, yeah. Like, there are lots of cases where there was one where a gentleman, like, had all his paperwork. And at the end of the interaction, he says, my wife's right behind me. Please let her through. Right. And her, his wife's passport is one day late. And if you accept her, you are docked pay. And you have to make the decision of... Do I tear this woman from her husband and make sure, like, my family still has heat, still has food, sure. still has medicine if they need it? Or do I let her through and, like, let her and her husband stay together? Like, it's a game that treats you, asks you to act as a machine, to just match things to other things and make sure everything's okay, and if it's not, reject them. And then forces, like, situations that is, like, of like real human vulnerability and asks you to stay mechanical in front of it. 
And it's a game that wouldn't be possible through any other medium because of your role and how you are interacting with it. Because this is a game that takes place over one month. Mm-hmm. Everything changes every day. You get a new set of rules because, like, maybe so a terrorist came by and blew up something. Or maybe the country that, from a certain country, you have to check them before they go. You have to do a body scan of them. Yeah. And, like, it really forces you into the morally gray area that person must play in that era. Yeah, it, uh... It delivers a really clear message about immigration policies and um, like these kinds of governments and like human rights issues. Yeah. But it delivers it in a way that only a video game could in its interactivity, definitely, in matching that and being a part of it and seeing kind of even both sides. So, what did, what, how, what was your strategy with playing this game? How did you approach, like, did you approach it from a moral standpoint, or were you playing it mechanically? Because I found myself very much like, my family comes first. If I need to detain you really? for extra pay, I need to make sure my son gets, <laughs> gets medicine. I know it's, like, horrible. I thought it was, I was pretty mechanical. Uh, eventually, I realized the stakes at play with, you know, my son and my mother-in-law. Sure, I never saw those people, and I just said, like, your mother-in-law is sick, but she's, I want her to be okay. And see, I think it's, it's really neat how they implement the mechanic of your family, yeah. because you don't see these people, you don't know who they are, you just have a bar on the side of your screen at each day. One says mother-in-law, one says wife, one says son, and one says uncle. And if you couldn't afford heating, it'll say cold. If you couldn't afford yeah. medicine, sick. And it gives these, you these life restrictions like that are completely uh, tools to invoke empathy in you. And like it did. I immediately like put myself and imagined people in my family in that situation. Sure. And I think with them not being actual characters, it adds to the experience because it personalizes it more. And I think that I genuinely have had to pause the game at points and had to think, do I let this person through even though it's going to dock my pay? It really like forces you into that situation. And like another thing that video games do that I think is neat that other mediums can't do is it forced you to empathize through like mechanics. There was no plot. You have, you don't know who your son, wife, uncle, or mother-in-law is, or who this character is outside of like maybe six or seven word bubbles you get with them. Yeah. And you sit there and you personalize everything. Yeah, you're definitely attaching, you're projecting your own emotions into it, for sure. I think that that game is a great example of what that medium is capable of. No, I can't imagine a movie giving me so little information and making me empathize so much. Absolutely. So when it came to a guest for this episode, neither of us really knew too many people who were like, really into this like niche of independent artsy kind of video games. So I thought I'd take somebody I knew who was very well acquainted with other art forms and also my roommate, uh, <laughs> Caitlin Brown. I'm here. Uh, Hello. What, what's been, like what kind of art do you do? So I am a musician and I'm also trying to put my visual art out there a little bit more. I mainly do stuff with spray paint and with paints, but I also like to draw. I keep a journal of a lot of different drawings and things. Um, and my main focus with arts is music. I'm a singer, 
uh, rapper, I play guitar, bass, drums, you know, I, I'm an instrumentalist and I produce, and I'm Carlos's roommate, and I also am a part-time gamer, I've realized. Oh, gamer in gamer the house. In the house. Kaylin? We should have a gamer president. What's up? Thank you for saying the obvious truth. <laughs> and uh, first off, thank you for being my roommate. Yes. Second off? Of course. Uh, Thank you for giving video games a try. What are games that like really got you into this art form, and why did they get you? Well, I remember being a little kid and you know getting into video games through things like Lego Star Wars. Hell and yeah. I remember being in elementary school, school and really liking Super Mario Galaxy. Hell that yeah. I think would say is I would say is one of my favorite games of all time. And then when I got older and I just started doing music more, and I just didn't have as much time to play video games and whatever, I got into skating and whatever. I just stopped playing, and um, uh, I, you know, I played Call of Duty with my friends or Smash or whatever with my friends every once in a while. Um, and Red Dead Redemption was one exception. But until I started living with you, uh, who introduced me into more of a niche kind of way of looking at gaming, you know, with all of the ARGs and all of the artsier games, the shorter, um, you know, time spans, and the, the more more craft going into just just a certain concept instead of a huge budget um, and and you know being an, such a huge world like just more smaller games that were just as interesting yeah I mean like I think I very much you know grew up I think we all grew up playing the same kind of games like you know whether it be like Mario or Call of Duty yeah. or like Angry Birds Harvest on your phone. Moon. Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon. I didn't get into that one. <laughs> I liked Animal Crossing too, though. The Animal, Cro Animal Crossing was, was a good thing, but I think that like the thing that like one of the things that drew me to this medium is that like, you know, I think we all, we are all millennials. We all suck. We all have tiny attention spans. I'm Gen Z. Uh, but is there a, say, <laughs> say what you got. <laughs> <laughs> say what you gotta say about me. Okay, but we all like like I think we all have pretty tiny attention spans. Yeah. And like <laughs> I think video games kinda forced me to pay attention in a way that other mediums wouldn't by putting me in it by like making me the protagonist of the experience. Yeah, for sure. Like what what was an experience you had with a video game where you walked away and still thought about it? Either of you. I um well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I remember when you first showed me Inside, which is by Playdead. Um, the, the company's called Playdead. Um, well, what is Inside? Just for the Inside, Inside is a game where you play as a boy who is... Uh, you don't really know where he's running, but the whole game is just a single shot um, running game. And there's puzzles. Uh, like a side scroller. It's, it's like a side Mario scroller. Mario. It's an old side scroller kind of feel but the artwork in it is um, pretty modern it's very sleek it's beautiful uh, the sound design in it is ridiculous it's uh, oh, incredibly it's incredible. incredible it's incredible for sure the dude the company mic'd up a human skull and threw it off a cliff just to get the sound of the boy falling that's cool wow. I didn't know that like it's there's really an attention to detail when you don't have the like machine of like a big publisher trying to make money off your game Mm -hmm. Like, and I think games like the Inside is a good example. Sort of use its limitations uh, of having a smaller budget and like not being not aiming to be a mass market appeal. Like, sort of create more interesting experiences. Like one great experience I remember we had was 
our first semester living together, we stayed up and downloaded a game called Doki Doki Panic. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, at one point when we first were living together, Carlos and I downloaded a game called Doki Doki Literature Club, which I it's, it's a That's Steam insane. game. Yeah, it's a Steam game. And uh, you are it's, it's essentially just all dialogue-based. And you are playing a boy who's at a school in, I assume, Japan or Korea. Yeah. And... <clears throat> And you are just a school a schoolboy who is kind of interested in the schoolgirls, and you're kind of trying to maneuver your way around the politics of being a new kid at school. And through that, it it becomes kind of a horrific event that um is has definitely left a mark on me. It's it, I don't want to go too in detail about yeah Doki I don't want to spoil spoilers, it. but I think that playing Doki Doki and the attention to detail, even how gripping it was to me through just being um being just just text essentially yeah um and diving a little bit deeper into the game uh the framework of the game to create a, a horrific sensation was pretty wonderful yeah i mean the Damn. i haven't played it so oh uh, it's it's you we should play it together yeah that sounds sure. great it's good no it's, it's good. very we good would, we would have a lot of fun playing cool it. Uh, it's That's the one where it um, messes with the files on your computer. Right? It does mess it does. with files. Um, yeah, it tries. To that was terrifying. Pack. That idea is it's yeah. weird, freaky. And that's so neat because like, it's literally putting you into the game because now your life. computer's involved. Yeah. Like the files on your computer are involved. Yeah. And like, there's that's a thing that could not be possible through any other medium, because mm. like, when you're playing that game. It's literally like a choose your own adventure book, but you're. I remember being scared to press the button because yeah. I didn't want to see what happened. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, like, and it literally is just text and images, and mm -hmm. the whole game sort of designed in this like cutesy anime kind of look. It looks mm -hmm. like Sailor Moon. Yeah, and like the first hour is just like I I'm in this class with these like girls, and I want I want to get with one of them. And then an hour in, it all just crumbles, and the game shuts down. And yeah. then you reopen it, and it's and the, your data is deleted, and it's it it's changes. a totally different experience. Yeah. you have to play it multiple oh. times to fully finish the one game. You have to play it a couple of times because every time it's different. The, the the actual data of the game has changed. So, being somebody <laughs> who's always kind of like consumed art and like created art, what? Do you think video games hold that like graffiti couldn't do or music couldn't do? Um, so I think that you know, growing up, I've I've always wanted to look at things a little bit differently as far as art goes. I remember first being introduced to hip hop and not really understanding it and just being like, oh, this is just talking. This is just talking. It wasn't really rock music, you know. So it was different to me. And I think that uh, you know, it's the same thing with painting. Like you have to look at the different styles and appreciate them. And video games are one thing that I believe uh, it, it takes so much of little uh, little pieces of different. Uh, kinds of art to really create a cohesive piece so if you have a really good video game it should have incredible sound design you know really puts you in a, a place it should have amazing art direction uh, and have all of the art direction around the concept and the storyline and all of that those three things should come together and create something amazing and because of those three things also working with a person's choices uh, video games are a unique form of art that honestly can't be uh, can't be replicated or you know competed compete they it can't compete with other forms of art um, I would I would put it I would say it's incredibly underrated
I've always thought that the most compelling options for video games, especially when I consider it as an art form, are things that are really, like, narrative-driven. Like, really story-focused I don't stuff. disagree. And I think that's because, like... Like, I think it's neat to tell a story through that lens, mm -hmm. just through that medium, because of how different it is and how it tells a story. And, like... Video, video games can tell a story through mechanics. They can tell a story through, like, visuals. They can th tell a story in multiple different ways mm -hmm. that, like, other mediums just don't can. have. Yeah. Now, I read, a, I read a poll by Pew Research Center saying that men are 33, like, the amount of men versus women that were willing to call themselves gamer, men were at... 33% women were at 7%. Wow. Why do you think gaming is sort of always like considered to be a boys club? And how do you think we get around that? Because I think the way I see it is that like most major video games, the main way we interact with them, with the world in them, is through violence. Not to say that violence is an exclusively male thing, but like a lot of the... I don't think it's through lack of trying. Like I don't think it's that it like naturally just boys are playing video games. I think the the culture that's already been established in this thing is really um, like restricting. It doesn't allow pe a lot of people in. That's fair. That's like, fair. There's a weird. There I mean, can be a weird niche thing to it. I mean, I think I think the community of people who would call themselves gamers are historically pretty awful. We look at things oh, okay. like Gamergate. Yeah. We look at things like Gamergate was a woman made a woman made a game called Depression Quest, which was kind of a choose your own adventure kind of thing, and it got a really good review on a site. And an ex boyfriend of hers had posted this long expose saying that she slept with somebody at the company to get that review. Mm -hmm. And then this woman's family was harassed with calls. Uh, she she was constantly wow. like tweeted at and called doxxed had her address posted online because a lot of people said that their culture was being invaded of gaming which is yeah. obviously very stupid <laughs> like it's a, it's called depression quest what's it about just being it's, depressed it's, it's a ga depression quest actually another good <clears throat> example of a game telling story through mechanics it's like you'll be given a event like, hey, family Thanksgiving is coming, and you'll have choices. But those choices will slowly narrow because you're too depressed to do A, B, or C. Oh, that's really sad. And, like, it's basically... It's an interesting way to tell a story, though. And, and, and like, how you are being put in a, in a position through mechanics to understand how somebody who is incredibly depressed would exist. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, feel. games like that and games like Gone Home where you're just a girl exploring her family's house, trying mm -hmm. to find why they're not gone. Like, games that are not, that are aimed to be less, like, in-your-face, less gamey, I guess, and more, <laughs> like... Like a book, almost. Experiences. Yeah. Like, have like, the creators have notoriously been, like, harassed. Mm -hmm. And, like, they've notoriously been, like, not, con like, argued that they're not games. Or they're not, like... It's a failure of the medium because there's no win state to it. Mm -hmm. And I think 
the culture surrounding video games has kind of been inaccessible. And, you know, I think that's just another conversation of, like, nerd culture's been kind of terrible. Now, is this... Is is it people are... (laughs) For lack of a better word hating on nerds are they are they hating on nerd culture or is this internal I think it's nerd people, i think it's people who are in like the people who take these series <laughs> the king and, like, nerds bully see the nerdy think, nerds we live in a society <laughs> we do live in a society but like i nerds. think i think just it's not a very open and friendly medium like you go into any I don't even know where you'd, you'd go to discover there's video games. There's a learning games. curve, I think. Yeah, I think there's, there's a real learning, learning curve, curve to it. And, like, it's not a friendly atmosphere a lot no. of the time. So, like, I think that's something that really prevents that idea of, like... I think we're getting a lot further than that. Um, like, as an art form, video games have come a long way from that inaccessibility. And I think as games take on more of a projection as vis- some form of visual art and interactive art, um, you, you're going to see more people open up to it because they're approaching it from that sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I'm hoping that within our lifetime that, like, I almost think they shouldn't be called video games because, like, a lot of these things aren't games. What's your... What's your backup option? What's your like, title for? Virtual experience or something. I would not buy that. A, vir- a virtu- virtual experience? <laughs> See, vir- I don't know what to call it. But, like, I think video games is. is really a loaded term. Because when you say video games, people think Call of Duty. Yeah, people think Mario. People think um, Fortnite, which is, to me, I, I don't love that. I don't love that particular game. Yeah. I, I That's think what parents for, think. They think art. Fortnite yeah. or whatever. It's 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 beautiful in its own way, but I don't I don't love. I it. mean, ki- I mean, kids today are like, Minecraft <clears throat> is their Legos. Like, video games are obviously becoming more and more yeah. part of like just our culture. Mm-hmm. I just want to see, like, the video games being made that are genuine pieces of art, get the like, attention they deserve, mm-hmm. because like. It's really a unique thing to make a video game that is like, that forces you to empathize and puts you in the shoes of somebody you wouldn't. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that that medium really just does something that visu- that other visual arts or music or books just can't do. It, I mean, it, it forces you to literally make decisions. Yeah. So it, it does. It does put you. I would. Say, I would say it puts you in the shoes of the protagonist or the character, whatever you want to call it, better than any other art form, because you literally are acting as the character. And a lot of the times, you have customizable options, you know, surrounding how you want to play the game, and you know your actual controls or the way you want to make your character look and act and feel, and so all of that goes into it. And it's it's just it's quite lovely. All right, so we're wrapping things up, but I think a good last question, a good way to wrap this up. How long do you think it'll take till museums, like, till video games and museums become just a normal thing? I think that that will be possible in the next 20 years. I'm going to give that 20 years. 20 years. Which is a little bit 
not great, but I think it'll probably take 20 years. But they already kind of are I in I think some. there are video games yeah, there that are, are in some. Uh, but like regular oh, installations. Okay. Where like... Like you go up and you can play... The same way you'll see art... There, you'll see an art museum in any big city, you'll mm. see video games next to it. And you can go in and play it. Yeah. I'm going to say 10 years. I'm going to say 15, 20 years. I'd, I'd say 15, 20 years, because I think uh, that, like, they're really... I'm optimistic. No, no, no. <laughs> hey. Sorry. <laughs> I think whatever you want. I'd pay a lot of it money to go It is 2019. If you're optimistic, you're stupid. There should be Wow. <laughs> There should be a video game museum, I'm now thinking. That needs to be it. There probably is. There, I'm pretty sure there's one in Baltimore. Really? We should go. Hell yeah. We should fact check that, but I'm pretty sure there's one in Baltimore. We'll fact check it after the fact, but thank you for listening. My name's Carlos Lopez. If you're interested in following me on anything, it's uh, Carlos LPZ Carlos. I'm Ross. Don't follow me. I'm Kaylin Brown, and you can follow me on various forms of social media it's just k-a-e-l-a-n brown and thank you for listening this is medium roast medium roast